You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I'm Autumn, and this is episode 135 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. And today, Jesper is off on vacation in Denmark and having, hopefully, a lovely time. And instead, I have with me two very special guests. We have Pam and Paul from Beta Books. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. So... I, I I sent this in the email when I asked if you wanted to join me that uh, my niece actually is responsible for having found you and introduced me and I've set up an account and started playing around but I have yet to understand the full breadth of beta books so I'm looking forward to hopefully a crash course but first please please introduce yourselves in a little bit about you know how you Found, you know, are you writers? I didn't even find much information on beta books and your backgrounds, other than a really cute blurb at the bottom of the website that made me want to desperately reach out to you. <laughs> yeah, so um, my husband, Andrew, is the third um, of our little triumvirate here. He's a programmer, um, nice. and Paul and Andrew and I are all friends in Raleigh. Andrew wrote a book and had trouble getting anybody to read it. And then when people did read it to beta or whatever, he had trouble finding all the feedback. He was tired of that. So he decided to build it. Um, but only because <laughs> like Paul said that he wouldn't read Andrew's book until Andrew built the thing. Oh. So <laughs> he did. And, Strong um, arm. Right? I know, but it worked. I'm not sure Paul wanted it to work, but it did. And, um, yeah, we've been going since then. And the the reason beta books exist is to make it easy for writers to run their beta, to send their um, their documents out securely to to readers because the document doesn't even go out. It's all on one site. So there's no PDFs or um, other documents floating around. The feedback is all there in one place for it to be sorted and marked. And um, yeah, so the idea there is just to make an easy way for, for authors to do that. So I... Um, Right now, I handle the customer support, and we've uh, Paul and I have done conferences together. Not this last year, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. No, we did. So. We did. A, we did a digital conference together. Oh, we did well, an online true. conference. That's true. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, technically speaking, uh, one of the big headaches for Andrew was that when he did find a group of people, uh, he just mm-hmm. emailed them a, a Word doc. Um, and then he heard back from a number of people saying, oh, I can't open this. And so oh. he resent it in a different format. And then he started getting feedback uh, via a series of emails, each person sending their own kind of email thread. And then he began making corrections and he sent out uh, new drafts to some people. And he ended up in the situation where he couldn't figure, he couldn't collate all of his feedback <laughs> from all of his emails, figure out who had which draft and figure out what feedback he'd already used uh, in making revisions in his draft. And he said, well, this is a, this is a data flow issue and that's kind of what software is ideally suited to solving. So I bet I could do this. And we were sitting around at dinner and he said, does that sound like a good idea, Paul? And I said, that sounds like a fantastic idea. 
in fact, I won't read your book until I can read it on the software. So I didn't just get asked to read a book and say, no, make me a better tool to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely adore that, that your husband is like, I had a problem and solved it because it is definitely a problem that authors have, uh, especially as Jesper and I, as you heard in the intro, you know, as we've come out with more books last summer, we released three nonfictions and we were doing them all at the same time with a different teams of beta readers, you know, 40 here, 30 here, 70 there. And to get the feedback and to do the, Oh my, I thought I was just going to go insane. Cause I'm the formatter <laughs> of the two of us. I'm the software person in our, our, our side of the business. So yeah, I was just, I think it must have oozed out to my family that my niece is like, hey, have you seen this this platform? And as soon as I saw that, yeah, it's like people come to you and you know where they are so that like, you don't do formats one day and then two days later, someone else sends you something else and you've done so many edits, you can't, you're like, did I do this, this error they found or did I not? Oh my gosh. So it so is. That, that, you just described exactly, essentially, this, the 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 workflow issue that Andrew had and that we set out initially to to solve. And then over time, we we were in basically in a sort of a semi open beta for over a year, just inviting authors and telling authors they could invite their friends. And that's when we began to get more and more feedback about, oh, I have this problem, and oh, I have this problem, and some mm-hmm. like the formatting issue was a very interesting one for us. Um, I know you've talked to a bunch of people, oh, yeah. uh, but we wanted to make reading books easy on a phone and on a computer. And so we basically said, this is pre-formatting. <laughs> this is a, a pre-press uh, tool. So we do <laughs> dynamic formatting on pretty much everything because we have so many people reading on phones. I think over it's over 90% of beta readers are doing at least some of their reading That's on great. phones. So that was really important for us. <laughs> Wow. That always impresses me, partially because I have bad eyesight. I've had um, PRK, which is like LASIK done, but and I'm starting to see it starting to fuzz out just a little bit, but it's been a decade. So I mean, mm. I can, I used to only be able to see th- literally three inches and then the world was blurry. So I'm oh. happy to have 2520. It's fantastic, but I cannot read on a phone to save my life. I get an important email and I'm like, where's the computer? I just need a computer. So, but it is amazing that people, you know, they're, they got younger eyes, I suppose. I don't know. But how, well, so I think a lot of people are. Good. No, go ahead. You think a lot of people. Well, I think a lot of people are also are busy. And so they're reading yes. while they're waiting to pick up on their the kids go. on their, and they don't, you know, they're like, oh, I need something new. You finish the book you have in your car. You're like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. beta reading for so-and-so. I can just pick it up. I'm waiting in a, a waiting room somewhere. I'm in line at the grocery store. So we hear a lot of stories like that from people Absolutely. saying, oh, this is so easy. I can read a little bit here. Like like using any of your e-readers as well. Oh, yeah. And you're stuck at Little League practice for the next hour and a half or something. Yeah, you're going to whip out the book. You're like, no, I'm taking pictures, honey. Really? That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> We're all good parents at heart. <laughs> I'm the sneaky one, but (laughs) that is fantastic. So you've mentioned that, you know, you were in beta testing and everything for a while. So when did you, when did this happen? When did Andrew have this book and this idea and you started developing it? Um, 2018. Wow. So it's, yeah. Yeah. New, but not that new. That's fantastic. When did you move? We, we left in 2017, left Raleigh in 2017. So, so it was 2016 when we started. Right. And I think we, um, 
we launched the, to like the public in, in 18. Yeah. 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 Wow. I see. I love stories like that because I think um, being on the computer end, I have my dad was into computers. My nephew's a coder and I dabble enough to break things <laughs> and usually not <laughs> fix them on my own. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and so I think it's important for people, just like with writing a book, so many people don't realize, you know, some authors, yeah, they seem to be able to whip them out in like five days. I know that's probably mm. insane, but you know, you know, it seems to be a month or two. They release 12 <laughs> books a year. And right. for others, it's over a year. I mean, I know I've had people ask like my first series, which literally they all, t- all every single book took me a year. It took me a year. That was a year of my life and they asked for it for free. And you're like, it was a year of my life. So I think that's fantastic to know, you know, to code this website. And it looks, it does look very lovely on the surface, which is fantastic. That takes a lot of skill. It's That takes design skill. It takes coding skill. You've got to be able to click a button and it actually does something without breaking. So uh, two, yeah, a couple <laughs> years seems incredibly reasonable to me. And And much like a lot of authors, I mean, we were both working our regular jobs mm-hmm. and this was something we did on the side and it's, it's still a fairly small kind of operation. It's something that we do because we're passionate about the community and the role that we think finding beta readers and connecting with readers plays in kind of an author's journey. Yeah. And I definitely I think- want to get into the beta readers and you can finish what you're about to say, Pam, but I also want to talk about like, so used to are not authors. I have to know how you met. There's a story there, how you got sucked into the reader universe, which is a wonderful place to be, I think. Yes. So, goodness. So we, we met because we lived next door to each other. I mean, I actually, I met Paul's mom first. I met his mom, Melissa, and we became friends. And then I was hanging out at her house. And this is how I remember it, Paul. And then I met you. And then we were going to the same church. So Andrew met Paul. And I was over at Melissa's house a lot with my kids. Mm-hmm. And um, Paul, you you have um, history in the the publishing business. So so I so I worked in publishing right out of college, um, and I did uh, co write some stuff. And nice. um, so I work in film production, and I'm also working in the theater a lot. So I've actually written plays and produced plays. Oh, so writing has been a big part of stuff that I've done. Um, I'm not like an aspiring author. That's just not really one of the things that um, uh, is a passion of mine. I have, I'm in the fourth book of a non fourth draft of a nonfiction book. And it's, I mean, it's really more kind of a venting exercise for me. I've realized over time and not probably (laughs) ever going to be for people. Um, And, but Pam is leaving out that uh, I I think eventually we found out that we both like similar books and we started lending each other books. And then someone gave Andrew, uh, I think Risk Legacy, which is one of these board games that you play for eight months. Yeah. And 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 then we all started playing that. Um <laughs> Andrew and I and a couple other friends. Um and it, you know, as Risk is, it was one of those rage inducing either you love each other or hate each other by the end of it things. And most of us love hated each other. Yeah. And then we moved on and then we started playing D and D and we just kinda kept yeah, kept kept doing stuff and um <laughs> And then I think maybe a couple years later, Andrew did NaNoWriMo, which is where he wrote the book that he ended up going to beta uh, through beta books. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and Pam and Andrew Nano. are married. That helps. So that's how <laughs> that they helps. know each other. Do I not say that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And I, you know, I am a professional musician 
So I come at um, the creative business from a slightly different angle. But mm -hmm. what I have learned is you can't make it unless you really put yourself out there. Yes, and true. you just need to try and you're going to face rejection and you're going to face what feels like failure. Mm -hmm. But artists who want to make it can. And it really just matters that you continue honing your craft and reaching out to find your audience. And that's what I think beta reading really is at its heart. It's finding your audience, reaching out to readers, finding the readers who love your book and will tell other people about your book. So we, we really see beta reading not as a transaction necessarily the way you would with an editor or other like professional because beta readers aren't professionals. They are people who love books. And I think it's something really special to for a reader to be part of an author's process. And we've found that those readers um, who are involved in the process become really attached to the writers and um, promote their work. And just it's a very special thing. And so we encourage authors not to just um, say thank you for the feedback, but to continue to develop relationships. And for those beta readers, you know, maybe offer a free copy of the book. Um, mention them at, in your acknowledgments at the very least, but treat it like um, like relationship with each reader. And you'll get the reputation as a writer who is really in it for the craft, but also for the people that you're writing for. And I think that's important. And we've uh, seen that in beta books, at least authors and readers can interact in the books themselves. So a reader can leave a comment and a writer can respond directly to the comment in that book. And so there's some back and forth there that can lead to some really neat interactions. Oh, that must be really cool to see on the back end, to be able to see like that relationship develop, which, you know, you can have over email, but it's, you know, like you said, it's all on one platform. It makes it kind of easy and you could literally yeah. just respond as they're reading instead of like, you know, oh yeah, I got that email yeah. into my spam folder. Right. <laughs> We yeah. we don't watch we don't watch much of what happens. I mean, one of the things yeah, that okay. is, is is big for us is is kind of people having a private workspace. So most uh -huh. of the workspace is very private, and we only really look at something if we're asked by an author for a technical reason. Um, yeah. So it would be awesome to like snoop on people, but we don't do that. We generally hear about it when an author or a reader decides to tell us that. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just to clarify, yeah, right, yeah, that's nobody, very true. Behind the scenes is sneak reading anybody's book. So <laughs> that's probably a very ethical choice of yours. That's very good. What do you, what do you think? I mean, I love your description of the process, especially coming from a musician, because I agree. It's it is hard work. You, see, I see so many authors who, I mean, they say that you know, so many people start out writing a book, and if they finish their first one, that's already a huge chunk of people who don't make it to the finish of first one. And I do see a lot of first time authors make the mistake of just launching without beta reading or getting feedback or a content editor, which is expensive. I mean, that's where beta readers make a good cheap version of a content editor, but it's something to get feedback and they just put it out there and then they get disappointed and they never keep working on something new. So that yeah. is Definitely, I think where I see Beta Reader coming in, but what do you think has been some of the strengths that, you know, either your, even your husband's books or things you've heard from authors that why Beta Readers can be so important, especially for new authors trying to learn the craft and how to write something that readers will love? So I'll, yeah. I'll start kind of with the technical side, and I think Pam can chime in kind of uh, with her own thoughts, but uh, kind of from a business perspective, uh, 
you know, authors should, if they want to sell books, they need to treat it like a business. And Mm -hmm. if we were talking about software or any other thing else, we would be talking about finding your customers or, or product fit. And so one of the things that, especially in the process of finding beta readers, uh, a lot of authors are forced to discover is, so who is my book for? And what is it about my book that certain readers will like? So talking about fantasy, you know, there's a, there's a wealth of subgenres, right? And you're not just going to say, Hey, this is a fantasy book for fantasy readers. You're going to say, well, this is, is this urban fantasy? Is this high fantasy? Is this grim dark? Like, and then narrowing it down and figuring out, Oh, like, do I have a reader profile or do I have multiple reader profiles? Do I have a book description for myself, kind of for marketing and for understanding who I'm writing to and why I'm writing to for these people. And so that's one of the things that we see authors kind of, we see and we encourage authors to do. And the beta reading process forces forces you to figure out who your readers are and then to go out and and look for them and find out, oh, where where do these people congregate? How can I find them? How can I reach them? And if you don't know that before you launch a book, you're not going to be effective at, say, targeting ads, uh, even writing press copy or blurbs or back cover matter, because you're not thinking about who the person is that's reading it and why they're going to resonate with it. It's true. And I think um, artistically, it's important to get over the hurdle um, of sharing something that's so precious to you. You know, as you've mentioned, you may have spent 12 months creating this thing. And it's not a thing, right? It's, it's a it's baby. It's a baby, right? Yes. Exactly. And, you know, it's a scary thing to send your baby out into the world. <laughs> so you should vet your babysitters, right? So it makes sense <laughs> to, to look for those people that you think will be good for your book and to really treat it as this is something precious that I love and I think it can be a gift to yes. the world and to a certain community of people. Um, and it's, it's, it's so hard, but you need to make just a little bit of detachment from your work. Mm-hmm. And I think people are scared to, to share, to share their work because they're afraid of mean people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, I will say, I think, I think most people are not mean people. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say to someone, I wrote this thing. I love it. Um, I'd love your feedback. Please be nice. And they will, <laughs> you know, they will. So I think, or they or they won't read it, which is its own feedback, right? and you're fine. That's, that's true. Feedback. But most people will not read it and say, "This is terrible. What are you doing?" Yes. So I think to have have faith in your own work and in the people that you are initially reaching out to, and when you're doing that first foray into finding readers, it's okay to use the people in your social circle. Mm-hmm. You know, and I oh, think like Paul and I really love the same kinds of books. So if I were writing a fantasy novel. I would ask him to be one of my first readers because he has so much familiarity with the genre. And I have other friends who we share the same interests. So to start with people whom you know, but whom you also share um, that passion with is a good place to start. And they might know other people that you don't know who would also be interested. So I think to be, to be open-minded as you, as you send your book out into the world, but it's okay to start with those people that you already trust. Mm -hmm. Mm. And to be sure that when you, when you talk to people also, you don't want to just ask if the book is good and if they liked it. Cause if they love you, they'll say, yeah, yeah, it was good. I, I liked it. 
Yeah, that is the problem of having family read it. Your mom's always going to love it. It doesn't right. matter what you wrote. <laughs> so yeah. I do, I remember seeing uh, with beta, re- with the beta books, you know, you could set up actually questions as you're going through like, hey, does this scene make sense? Does this character ring true? I like being able to ask those questions because you're right. I mean, a good beta reader who maybe has does this for a couple different authors, because with indie publishing, oh my goodness, there are some very savvy beta readers who could basically do this as a profession. It's how they get maybe free mm-hmm. books. And they are darn good. But others, you have to, you're right, you have to coax them. Kind of like, did this character sound right? Did I screw them up somewhere? Could you let me know? And then you start getting mm-hmm. the full story. Yeah. And that's yeah. a that was something that we were very mindful of when we were making the software is finding there's a there's a not there's not an overwhelming amount of customization on beta books, but there is a fair amount specifically with asking questions is one of the things we were we were very mindful of. So you can give full book guidance in your table of contents, you can give individual mm-hmm. specific guidance at the beginning or the end of each chapter where you ask, you know, this is the climax of the romance. Can you tell me this, this, and this? And then we also kind of offer guides about uh, asking questions. We tend to encourage people not to ask yes or no questions, ask things that are more about mm, opinion or have an open have an open answer um, ability. Um, I personally say it's better to ask questions at the end of the chapter so they're not thinking about it as they're going through. But some people like to have their readers focusing on something per chapter. And then we also let authors insert kind of broader questionnaires kind of as a, 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 like an act break or a book break as they're going through, which uh, some people like because they're like, Hey, we've just finished the first act. Like which of these characters do you like the most? Why, you know, why do you think they're the hero? You know? And, and then sometimes you'll run into authors who are like, Oh no, they all thought so-and-so was the main character and I'm about to kill them or something <laughs> of that nature. It's not a problem for GRR Martin. That's right. Well, that's, yeah. that's just part of the plot. <laughs> right. I think that's the goal if you're him. But you know. <laughs> yes. Take that stick and put it in your readers and twist a little bit. Oh. Oh, <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I like, too, that, you know, you talk about, you know, coaxing. And it, I think it was part of the platform. You, If I remember correctly, you could see where people were. So if you suddenly saw yeah. that, like... 15 of the 20 people you asked had only made it to chapter 10. You would know, even if they weren't giving you feedback, you're like, okay, everyone stopped at 10. What's right. going on? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's that, that passive feedback. Hopefully someone will at least tell you what's wrong with chapter 10, but that yeah. is, it, well, you know, something's wrong. Usefulness. Yeah, you know something's wrong. There's a usefulness in that kind of statistics instead of sending out those emails, like you said, and never hearing back or just getting the, oh, yeah, yeah, I read that a month ago. It was great. <laughs> never getting yeah. anything else. When, and when I you also, say that, like, that's, go, what, ahead. go ahead. Oh, no, no oh, go ahead. <laughs> one of the things that we found as we've helped authors run a ton of betas is um, yeah. that, that very thing you just said, oh, I read it a month ago. Yeah. What we've discovered is, if you treat it like an important part of your process, you actually get mm-hmm. better response and a more engaged readership because they perceive that, oh, this beta is a part of this author's business and I have a responsibility to them. So saying, hey, 
you know, can you read this book in the next two weeks? Or the deadline for being finished is this day and then the book is closed, which is a, a feature we have where essentially you just shut the book and you can work with your feedback. We found that that's actually very effective. It's also one of those things that a lot of authors are really resistant to because they feel like they're placing some strange imposition on people. But it's one of those ironies where when you give people a higher expectation of their importance and their responsibility, they often respond positively because they uh, are affirmed in how important they are and how valued they are by an author. Yeah. And that probably yeah. helped weed out some of the chaff, the chaff too, you know, the people who just want the free book versus the people who are feel like part of the team and want to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's important to treat your beta. Um, it's important not to treat it as if you're asking a favor from the readers. I mean, on one hand you are, but on the other hand, you really need their help, I think. And you should want to develop those relationships. So I'm just saying in a different way what Paul said, that you don't need to be hesitant and, you know, ask people to try. You know, you can approach with some confidence yeah. because this is something that you have worked on. You see value in it mm-hmm. and you trust that other people will see value in it as well and that they will derive value from it. And now they may say, see different things in your work than you see, because we all have this <laughs> relationship with the things that we create oh, yeah. and things that we output. But that's one of the beautiful things about, um, especially casting your net wider with beta readers. It's great to have um, 10, 20, if you can find it. So you've got a nice sample size and you might see, um, see trends that you weren't even aware of in your own work. And things that you can capitalize or lean into in the next books in the series, if you're if you're writing series, um, which is good business if that's what you're um, writing <laughs> yes. for. But um, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of value to be shared, um, and it's really good to approach it with um, with the idea that you are bringing something valuable into their lives, not only asking for their help with your little project. <laughs> I like so. that. I think we all do better when we realize that we're taking this seriously. I mean, we have it as a hobby and something we're passionate about, but giving it that dedication, that time on our own part and the people who love reading, giving their expertise as readers is very valuable because yeah, there's a lot of things that they can catch that a careful reader that knows that they're really doing it to help the author and not just they're going to, you know, arc readers being an example. I mean, they're getting an advanced reader copy just to leave a review that's great, but they're not often being very cautious readers. They might be looking, they might notice a typo, but they're not going to sit there and go, why did you have the character do that? I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. And those are, that's what the beta readers are for. Yeah, exactly. And I did think it was so interesting. Uh, it threw me off first that, you know, you, from what I saw, you have to bring in your own manuscript. Like you basically almost copy and paste might be the fastest mm-hmm. way to get it a book up there. But I do see the value. I mean, I still remember I read the Twilight series. It's definitely not one of my favorite, but the what Stephanie went through when someone took the book that she finally, it's taken what almost a decade for her to finally release Edward's point of view from the first book because someone took her file and started sharing it. And I mean, not all of us are going to be Stephanie Meyer and be these famous authors, but that is the problem. That is the fear that when you're sending this out to the world, whether you're sending an EPUB file or cause like book, book funnel has a place where you can send out reader copies too. 
in PDFs, someone can take that and share it somewhere where you don't mean it to be. So this one, yeah. you you make it all stay right there, which is kind of exactly. I do see the point to that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, and that's. I mean, even I go back and forth on manuscript theft because when it happens, it's very publicized and people have a lot of fear about it. But generally, when you're an aspiring author, the risk is very low, especially if you're trying to start mm-hmm. a business. Because as you know, like writing a book and selling a book is is not the <laughs> the goal. It's, it's, it's not creating a, a platform and having stream. books. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No. <laughs> but but there's also there's there's increased vulnerability that an author is kind of sharing with the readers, especially depending mm-hmm. on where they are in the, in the process. Cause some authors will beta uh, unedited uh, chapters. Mm-hmm. If they have a group wow. of people that are really hungry. Um, like for instance, there's an author who used the site early on when we were in beta who would dictate a chapter and immediately share it to a small section, like the elite tier of his mailing list uh, to get feedback before it even went through edits or, or a copy edit because it, they were so hungry and such big fans, but also because they would give him good, feedback and that sounds like a terrifying creative (laughs) vulnerability to me and that's one of the reasons we want to make sure that people feel they have the control over access that's really cool so is it possible to do that to set up like different tiers like this i'm sharing this with just this subset group that are my special fantastic fans and when you're ready to get more betas you can open it up to other people as well yeah So the way the process works is you upload your manuscript and then you send out invitations to readers to their um, email addresses. And if you wanted to run 20 rounds of betas with 20 different groups of readers, you could. Um, So you just, you invite the readers that you want in that first time. And then when they're done, you can just um, remove them from the book and then do whatever you want. Um, If you want to make any edits, you can, and then just invite another group and, um, they can go through the book. And as the author, you can decide whether readers are seeing each other's feedback or not. Mm-hmm. So um, you can decide whether they're experiencing a clean read every time. And I really think you ought to do that. But there are authors who like um, to build reader community by letting readers see each other's comments and mm-hmm. sort of appreciate the book together in that sense. That's kind of so, cool, too. Yeah. yeah, almost, like yeah a be- pretty- almost like a beta book club. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now I want to be in a book club. That is kind of fun. <laughs> that is really, and I did see, so you can send out email. I did like that. Cause so if you already have, like you've been doing this and you have, you know, 40 emails, you can send out an email list, but right. you, there are actually beta readers who are on the site and you can like, as an author, I think from what I saw, you could basically go and like, look at their profile and say, Hey, would you like to try out this book? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, all readers join at the invitation of an author at one point or another. So um, you don't just have people showing up. You have people invited who likely Mm -hmm. are trusted by another author. So we ask readers to fill out a reader profile if they're interested, if they're um, looking to be contacted by new authors. And we call that the reader directory. And they um, involve, they include as much information as they want. They're areas of expertise, genre preferences, genre dispreferences, um, <laughs> anything that they think um, uniquely identifies them as a reader. And the database is searchable, um, both by, um, you can just Everything. search simply for genre. Oh yeah, anything you want. There's an advanced search. You could 
search for roller skates and see if you come up with a reader. <laughs> and then it's, <laughs> it's, it's searchable on our free trial, um, but querying readers is um, available only on our um, subscription because we, we want to protect our readers. We don't want them to get oh, yeah. um, spammed. Oh, thank you. So, uh, yeah, you send out a query and the reader can decide whether or not to read. And it's just a real quick, but quick button in their email, just accept or reject. It's also on the, on their dashboard on the home screen. Okay. And, um, we find that a number of our authors have, I don't know, Paul, I think most authors find a few readers on the reader directory, but a lot of, a lot of people really do their own work to find their own readers. Um, we also and have an opportunity. Sorry, go ahead, Paul. You, you, uh, I mean, the directory is a bit of a, a kind of it was a sneaky way that we thought that we sh- we could help uh, authors get used to the idea of asking people to read their book. So oh, I like that. That's true. Uh, there's no there's no expectation from us that you'll be able to find a group of beta readers through the directory. Mm-hmm. You might find one or right. two people, um, and we encourage yeah we encourage the readers um, when they get queried if they don't like mm-hmm. the query to say hey. Uh, the reason I didn't like this query is because I list this in my preferences and you said this, um, mm-hmm. or I, you know, I don't want to read my book, your book. It sounds amazing, but I'm busy. Um, but it's mm-hmm. really kind of a, a backdoor way to get authors used to the idea of maybe having uh, a much uh, softer approach or people they know are already interested mm-hmm. in. They can say, Oh, here's my 160 word pitch to you. I know you like this and this, let me practice how to approach someone. And so that's kind of why it's there. Also, a lot of people who came to the site for one author started emailing us and saying, hey, I really enjoyed doing this. Can I uh, uh, beta more books? And so that was why we created it. And then we tried to find ways to make it a useful part of the author process. We so strongly encourage people to go out and find their own group of readers out in the world because that's Mm going to be your business. Yeah. I mean, especially if, like you said, you're sending out an email to invite them. So you have their email. So you're creating your newsletter list and these are the people you're going to like say, hey, it's now out in stores and I thanked you in it. And if you want to buy it, that'd be great, but you don't have to just tell your friends and family or anyone you think. And (laughs) yeah, that is, you want that author platform because without that, if Amazon decides that you aren't good enough and kicks you out, which is rare, but occasionally things do happen with it. people's author's profiles. They get accused of something or break some rule and they're tossed out of Amazon. And that's a big deal. That's no matter how I'm a wide author, I'm across everywhere because I just think the world should have competition and should be available and open. But yeah, you know, Amazon's still mostly the, most of the eggs in the basket. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm sure you've done 135 episodes. I'm sure the importance of mailing lists is something you have yeah. talked about extensively. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons we tell people to find their own readers. Start, start building that list now. Start building that list when you're halfway through your first draft. Start thinking about yeah. who you're going to want to find. If you're going to start marketing on an online community and your book isn't done, you should join that community and become a member so that when you are ready, People will know, oh, this isn't some stranger. This is Panda Friend 64 who's asking me to read their new book. And, I, you know, I've had 15 interactions with Panda Friend. Like, let's yeah. read their book. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's I like Panda Friend. You just came up with that one or is that secretly your uh, login somewhere? I'm, I'm never going to tell. Hey, everyone, on uh, p- pandabuddies.com. <laughs> That is great. But I did see, I mean, it is, 
it is true. So it's nice to know, though, if you're an author and you're truly new, you mm, you can at least learn to mm, work on your marketing and like say, how do you ask people to do this? But there, you might actually get a couple of people. So if you're a brand brand spanking new and you have no one to outreach for, you might get one or two. You might get your first start. And that's always important. Yeah. And I um, do. I love the fact that um, free trials. I've tried out a whole bunch of different editing software recently uh, and stuff like that. And there was one or two that didn't have free trials. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Even a 14 day, but you have a free level, a free tier. And I'm like, I like you guys. <laughs> free tiers are wonderful. So Especially after really, COVID. Really, oh my yeah. gosh. It really is meant to give writers an idea of what it's like to use, um, mm-hmm. to use the software. And um you know, a lot of a lot of writers are content just they have the one book and they have a few friends they want to read it. Um, but then, if you do have more aspirations and a larger readership, then you already know whether the software works for you. So that really was was yeah. the goal there. Yeah, and just we, to give it a whirl with book one and a couple of readers, yeah. just to see how you like it. I, that's invaluable. Yeah. And if you like it, you're going to come back for this if you're really into writing. Yeah. And we we find that most um, most writers will use the use beta books for about a month to run their beta, and um, you can turn off your subscription after that. And all that means is that the readers no longer have access, but you of course retain access to your own work indefinitely, whether you're paid um, or not at that point. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think a lot of people come to our site looking for readers, mm-hmm. and they see beta books and say, "Oh, these people will find me beta readers," and yeah. That is one of the reasons, among many, that Paul's already mentioned that we mm-hmm. um, instituted the reader directory. But we also have, I've got a book club called Pam's Beta Jam. And oh. anybody, anybody can submit a novel. Anyone mm-hmm. who's looking to find readers can submit and I'll review. And I choose pretty much any fiction genre. And I'm also looking for um, memoirs because we've got a lot of interest in that among our readership. Oh, awesome. But it's a, I make it available to our about... Gosh, I think there are about a thousand readers mm-hmm. that have come through PBJ at one time. And so most writers find they have two or three really dedicated readers who make it all the way through and really enjoy their book at the end of that process. So okay. we try to make that available. That's available whether you are on the free trial or subscribed or whatever. So that's if you're looking for a way to um, find readers for free, that's mm-hmm. a good way to. <laughs> so. Yeah, all that um, just requires that you upload your book and um, do a query at the the group's homepage. And um, we're just getting started this summer after um, after a hiatus because a lot of people just were not were not writing. But I'm I'd love to be able to send out a bunch. So anyone listening who's interested has a book that you need to get some eyes on and don't know how to do it. Please submit. <laughs> Come and check this out. That is an opportunity because I think that is definitely, it's not maybe the number one question I get asked by new writers, but it's probably in the top five. So that's yeah. so cool. Right. The question being, how do I find readers or? Just, yeah, the question being, how do I find beta readers specifically? Like, yeah. where do I go find them? It seems to stump a lot of people. I honestly think a lot of new authors especially get stumped by mm-hmm. the difference between 
author groups, which authors are readers, but often we're so busy writing, we don't read as much as we want to. Or I know with me, I'm like currently on just like, if it hasn't won a Hugo or a Nebula award, I'm not reading it because I just want to, I want to see the top tier fiction that just makes me go, holy crap, this is amazing. And that's yeah. just kind of like my goal for the year. So I yeah. don't read a lot of other people's books unless I'm doing edits. And mm -hmm. Yeah, and then the authors, the new authors, you know, so they go to this author group and they're asking them, hey, you want to be a beta reader? And they're not going to like the reader groups and asking them if they want to be a beta reader. It takes a little yeah. while to figure that out, I think. Yeah, and when, I think the hard thing is if, uh, oh, sorry, Paul, I'll just. No, um, you. If, if another writer is reading your book, they're going to critique your craft. And that's not what you need from a, a beta reader. That's very true. Or, or just, the version you, of the book that they would write. Yes. Oh, <laughs> some of my favorite reviews have been, well, that's not what I would have done. So <laughs> yeah. uh, that's great. Uh, yeah, then you write it your yeah. way. <laughs> right. yeah. And one of the things that's, I mean, it's, it's frustrating for all authors, especially new authors. And it's also frustrating for us trying to help people is that uh, two, two things I run into a lot of times is very naturally you're used to asking authors for advice on how to be an author because you've gotten great advice on how to write your book. But a lot of times mm -hmm. what happens is uh, they either instinctively, if they're successful, uh, found readers kind of through luck or mm -hmm. doing something that they were doing already kind of naturally, or they use a process maybe eight years ago. Um, one thing I hear a lot of writers' conferences is authors going, uh, well, you know, I started writing a blog and all you have to do is write every day and then you'll yeah. get readers. And I'm like, well, I mean, when was the last time you actually read a blog? I mean, it's not the same as it was in saying... O2 when people had a list of blogs they would visit every day. Mm -hmm. Now you might be relying on your Instagram feed or a Substack or Pinterest. Yeah. So you have to find new things and, and it's always changing the best way to reach readers. And then the second thing is your early readers. That's almost like a fingerprint finding them and forming that relationship is, is going to be uh, incredibly unique to you, your book and who they are. And so I think you have to do some fairly systematic and deep uh, thinking about who you are, who the book is, and who you want to be reading it. Well, that's that's very good advice and so true. And I do think I remember when because you're right. I I started on Twitter back before the second resurgence of Twitter being popular, and I loved it. And I remember someone saying, "It's like your first hundred followers are going to be the ones you remember and interact with the most." And I think that's true even with beta readers. It's going to be those first ones that you, even if they fade off for some reason they're going to be the ones you remember and you're so appreciative of so building that first hundred list and just fantastic to do yeah. and you you learn as they enjoy your book you learn what you're doing because mm, yes. i mean there's a there's so much focus on writing and craft which i think is very important and i feel mm -hmm. like it, in some ways it's a dirty trick because you write this <laughs> book with a group of authors you work really hard on it you edit and then you you decide okay i'm going to publish and then it's a completely new skill set. It's a completely new set of expectations. And, yeah. and that's one of the reasons that we're like, okay, we want to build a tool to make this less of a logistical headache. And that was something that as we were developing beta books further, we really found to be encouraging to all of us, which is this is a hard process. Asking people to read your book when you don't have a name, you've never written a thing involves a tremendous amount of rejection and it's yeah. awkward and uncomfortable no matter how confident you are, no matter how strong your ego is. So just taking away the headache of 
you finally got someone to say yes, and then you send them a file and they say they can't open it. You feel embarrassed and you doubt yourself and you're like, well, if I reformat this and send it, will they even open it? Have I already blown that chance? Um, mm-hmm. And it going going through that over and over just is demoralizing. So we really worked to make a tool that could remove as many op- opportunities for you to feel worse about yourself as we could. <laughs> That could almost be like your tagline. Beta books will teach you marketing on a soft way. <laughs> That's so lovely. So I mean, to wrap up, I mean, is there any final advice or like your favorite thing or a favorite moment that has come out of working with authors? Because I know I, my husband is a photographer and I was just shocked at how cruel other photographers could be on technique and composition. And oh my goodness, it's not like yeah. that with authors. I think they're some of the sweetest people on the planet. So any last notes that you would like to end on? So collecting my thoughts. <laughs> That's fair enough. Well, I, I'll, I'll go first. I mean, uh, you're right. The author community is amazingly open and they share and support each other in an incredible way. Um, I think one of the reasons is because it's so hard and because the information is out there and a lot of people just don't do it when they get to the hard parts. Um, and the hard part, and, and the hard part is first finishing your book. I mean, the stats, mm-hmm. what something like one in 10 people finish their book or yeah. a, a 10 out of a hundred, something like that. But then the marketing part is, is just as challenging. People will keep writing books and won't put in the hard work of saying, okay, I'm going to have to go out and find people that I think will like this book. And I'm going to have to ask a hundred to get 10 and I'm going to have to do that over and over. And authors will tell you that because it's not a secret and they're not worried about and authors just aren't worried about people competing with them because they can't write books fast enough for all the readers. And, and because it doesn't get talked about as much in author world, I always encourage people to do something like go on YouTube and watch the Y Combinator startup school videos we're talking about tech companies, but really the rules apply when you're talking about uh, customer fit. It's the same as reader fit. When you're talking about finding your early customers, it's the same as finding your early readers. When you talk about uh, honing your vision and your mission statement, like create a mission statement or a vision for your book and for your author career and use that to guide how you look for readers. Um, the, the practice is very similar uh, between, say, tech startups and your creative startup. So if you're not finding things that are helping you in the author world, look for their field because there's a lot of entrepreneurs and that's what you are if you're an author. And if you're serious, you're building a business as an entrepreneur and you want to look for people. If someone's launched a $100 million tech company, maybe they have something that can help you find <laughs> find 100 readers or 1,000 readers. That's a good idea. Yeah, and I think I would just circle back to the belief in your work as maybe not perfect yet, but there are so many readers out there and no reader goes, I like this author and I don't have room for any other authors. <laughs> None of us who love reading are like that. We're all like, I finished all these books by this one person. Who else can I read all of their books of? And so there are readers out there who will love your book. All you have to do is find them. I mean, <laughs> right? But they are findable. They are yeah. findable. And not everybody is your reader and that's normal and good and fine. And when you find someone who's not your reader, that is one more step toward finding someone who is because you've learned something maybe about your book or about Mm -hmm. the people or um, person that you reached out to. So I would say 
just, just persist, just stay (laughs) out there, keep going. Um, because what you've done is significant and will be really valuable, not only to you, but to other people who will enjoy and appreciate your work and enjoy, um, getting to know you in the process. Very cool. And hey, you might get to join your book club and get to talk to you as well. And that's really <laughs> sweet. Right. I try to do a little bit of um, coaching also for people for whom it's their first beta Aww. if we uh, choose the book. So we've got resources um, on our website for how to find readers and sort of best practices for how to run a beta. And we really want to help writers be successful in this um, this segment of talk about rejection a lot (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know it's a part of growth you can't you can't Mm -hmm. grow unless you're put through uncomfortable situations yes and you can't grow unless you actually start keep producing something and trying so god it's fantastic i love the resources and of course we're going to link to beta books in the show notes otherwise it's pretty easy to find it's just betabooks.co so we can go and find it that way as well so thank yeah. you so much, Pam and Paul, for being here. And thank you so much for making beta books and actually having some resources on there that are free, which are fantastic. And then you make it so good that you just have to buy in and, and join in as well. <laughs> well, thank you for having us. This has been fun. This is this is yes. our first one in a in a year. I mean, I, I, I was like, oh, no, I haven't podcasted in forever. Is this going to be okay? <laughs> And it was okay. It was actually better than okay. It was, okay. It was fantastic. Uh, good. Thank you for letting me uh, break you back into podcasting. Yeah. So this has been really fun. I think um, we've got a coupon code um, in writing fantasy. So AWF, yep. um, any, anyone who finds us through this podcast, um, use the code AWF for 25% off any subscription um, for life. Oh, so- man. <laughs> I might go use that myself. Yeah. Upgrade my account. Yeah. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. I will put that in the show notes as well. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, have a fabulous day. And if there's anything we can do to help you out again, let us know. It was fantastic having you here. All right. Thank, thank you so much so for much. having us. <laughs> And so next week, uh, Jesper and I will be back and it'll be one of our top 10 lists. This time, the top 10 worst ever characters. If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Am Writing Fantasy podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday. <laughs>